So we're continuing to take a pause from Genesis in our Joseph series. And in light of what's going on around us and around the world, we started to look at the book of Psalm last week. Now the thing about the book of Psalm is just like listening to all different types of music from pop to country to hip hop, unlike most books in the Bible that usually have one major theme that goes throughout, not every psalm is the same. For example, there are psalms about living the life as a sojourner, as if this place is not our home. There are psalms uh, that are prophetic. There are psalms that give thanksgiving. There are psalms that give wisdom. And there are psalms like ours today that are about distress. And so this morning, friends, as we read about the danger that David is in, and as he's feeling threatened because of the people around him, the circumstances that surround him, I'd like us to see how we can find gospel security in the midst of danger and threats by looking at three things that scripture points us to. The first thing is trusting in God only. The second is trusting in God always. And the third thing is having the confidence to trust in God because of God. And so first, to find gospel security in the midst of troubles and threats, we need to see how our psalm tells us to trust in God only. You know, when I think back to grade school, I remember learning about the Civil War, World War I, World War II. But I also remember thinking, what's the point of all this? The past is the past. Who is crazy enough these days to attack and bully another country, right? And I think it was 1989 or uh, 1990, I was shocked when Iraq invaded and took over Kuwait. And about 50 nations gathered together, led by America. They stepped in and forced Iraq to withdraw. And I remember those times being scary with our American troops being sent over to the Gulf War. But it's funny how quickly I lost that fear of war and attacks and being threatened until about 10 years later or so, when terrorists attacked us by flying two planes into the north, into the south World Trade Center buildings, killing and injuring tens of thousands of people. Now, those were some really scary times, wasn't it? And it still affects us and haunts us, does it not? The way we live, our security, each time we have to check in for a flight to fly anywhere. Fast forward 20 years, 20 years since 9-11. And if you listen to TED Talks, you know, actually, Bill Gates called that something like the COVID virus COVID-19 virus would happen a few years ago, saying basically the greatest, greatest thing that we should be scared about shouldn't be wars, it shouldn't be terrorist attacks, but instead highly infectious viruses that may cause millions of people to die over the next couple of decades. This is what Bill Gates said. We live in scary times, don't we? Because if we thought war and terrorism was bad, all we had to do was invest more in our national security, buying more tanks, making flying restrictions tighter and tougher. 
But how about viruses? How can we counter diseases that we have no vaccines for? How can we beat something that we can't even see? It's crazy and it's scary, isn't it? And as some of us sit in fear, confused and frustrated with the uncertainty of things, the thing we need to understand about our psalm today is David too is afraid. David was frustrated with the uncertainty of things just like us. And he was being threatened and bullied by forces outside of him. And we know this because if you go back one psalm to Psalm 61, he writes about the threat of some really messed up people in his life. Guys who are just insane. Guys who have no conscience. Guys who are trying to ruin him and just wreak havoc in his life. And if you look at our verse 3 in our chapter today, David cries out, How long? How long will all of you who are acting like a bunch of bullies getting together? How long will you attack people, batter people, kick people while they're down? And you know that they're at their breaking point. Scripture describes it like a wall or a fence that's about to collapse. All you have to do is lean on them a little bit and you know that they're going to come crashing down. And the saddest part is verse 4 tells us these guys don't even have a legitimate reason to hate on David. They are just haters who hate because others love David. And on top of that, David's enemies are so messed up. The Bible tells us they don't just lie because they're in trouble or they need to find some way out. No, they lie because they like lying. They manipulate people because they have a way with their lies and a way with their words. When the truth is, they're the ones who are really messed up and evil on the inside. Have you been ever been around people like that? Have you ever been in a hostile situation like that? Where you feel threatened by someone or something even a virus. Clearly David has. And you know what his response was? It wasn't trying to fight them or outmuscle them. Nor was it about getting dirty and playing the same game that they're playing. But if you look at Psalm 62, it's all about trusting in God. Verse 1 tells us, In God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. And the key thing we need to see here is four times, four times in verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 6, four times David says, you want security in times of trouble and in threat? Then trust God only. And this is important for us to see because it's, it's not the idea of trusting God that's the real issue. Many of us, if not all of us, have some sort of trust, an inkling of trust in God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this message right now. The real challenge isn't just trusting in God. The real challenge is trusting in God alone. Because isn't it true that many of us say we trust in God, 
But if you're a student, you may feel tempted a lot of times to lie, to cheat, to do whatever it takes to get good grades. Because if we don't, how else are we going to find security that we're going to get into the, a good college? That college that we really want to get into. Some of us here may say we trust in God. But when it comes to our provisions, our giving, our tithing to God, wouldn't it be scary to lose our jobs or even have a little less in our bank accounts? Because if we did, how else would we find security and make sure that we have all the things that we need? Or I should say all the things that we want. And some of us here might be saying we trust in God. But during this COVID-19 crisis, security is one of the last things we feel, right? And so what do we do? Well, many of us have been panicking and hoarding as much as we can. Because if we don't have toilet paper, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, right? And so friends, such trust is not the type of trust that David is talking about here. That is not trusting in God alone. The type of trust that we're talking about when we do this, it's more of an insurance policy. We really trust in grades and money in our jobs and in toilet paper. But, but if those things don't work out and we have to throw a Hail Mary, God, we're trusting you now. We really need you to pull through. No, brothers and sisters, if we want security that Paul is talking about, not Paul, David is talking about. A security that is more than just sinking sand. A security that's like a rock, like a fortress that we cannot be shaken. We need to learn to let go of everything and to trust in God alone. The second thing I'd like us to see about finding gospel security in the midst of danger and threats we need to see how our psalm tells us to trust in God always. You know, I've been serving in Pennsylvania churches for 13 years now. 13 years. And I can't believe how time has gone by so quickly. But you know, as long as I've been in this area, as much as I've grown to love uh, my community, my neighbors, and uh, everyone at Grace Point, the one thing I still can't seem to embrace is the Philadelphia sports teams. And I know that's a big boo for many of you, but I guess, you know, it's a good thing that it's a virtual sermon, so you can't throw these tomatoes and batteries at me, right? But as someone that's been born and raised and with family in Northern Jersey and in New York, if you're a sports person, you know how hard it is to switch, switch to another team just like that especially to a rival team that's been in the same division, right? And so when Barnabas and Hope was born, naturally I raised them to be Giants and Mets and Knicks fans. And it was fairly easy since I'm their father and Barnes witnessed the Giants win the Super Bowl in 2011. However, with the New York teams appearing to get worse and worse and the hometown Philly teams getting better and better, it's almost impossible for me to keep them as New York fans. I tried to bribe them. I tried to guilt them. And I tried to convince them that it's not right to switch. 
When you start off as a fan of one sports team, you need to stick with them. Because A, teams will always go up and down. And B, no one likes traitors. You have to stay loyal, man. You have to stay loyal to your team. And when I said that, at that moment, I thought I made a breakthrough. Because my kids paused and they looked at me seriously. And they turned to me and they said, wait, when are you going to get us our Philly gear? And so sadly... I had to give in and I bought them stuff like this and give them what they wanted. And the reason I share this is if we want to find gospel security, it's not about trusting God in order that we can have our way right now, right here. But it's about trusting God in all circumstances, through the good, through the bad, through the winning, through the losing. It's about trusting God always. And many times really waiting on his perfect timing. And we notice because if you look at verse 5, David says, For God alone, oh my soul, wait, wait in silence. In verse 7 it says, On God rests my salvation and my glory. David is resting and waiting on God. And then verse 8 it says, Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, trust that him in all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge. You see, David knows gospel security isn't something that's cooked up quickly like in a microwave. But many times you need to wait on God. And if we would come to believe this truth and quietly preach it to our own hearts, wait on God, Tom, just wait on God we will find that patient trust in God leads to blessings. And I think this is important for us to see because isn't it true? Like children who's tempted to be fair-weather sports fans, it's also tempting to be fair-weather fans of God, isn't it not? At one moment, especially when things are going right, we claim to trust God. But the next minute when things go wrong, when things get crazy, like the spread of a virus or the fear of catching a virus, the fear that there's not enough food, not enough hand sanitizers, not enough toilet paper. Or maybe some of us are dealing with some serious problems with the loss of work, with the loss of income. In these types of situations, we really get exposed to the things that we trusted, don't we? And so, friends, as we live in troubled times, in the midst of danger and threats, our passage this morning is telling us the only way to find true gospel peace and security is by getting our hearts to rest on Jesus and trusting in God always. Lastly, to find gospel security in the midst of danger and threats, we need to see how our psalm tells us we can trust God because of God. You see, this past week, I found it providential that I read about uh, these ruins of Machu Picchu, an ancient Inca city in Peru that sits on top of the Andes Mountains. Now, if you don't know anything about the Andes Mountains, which I didn't before I read this article, it's the longest continental mountain range, close to 5,000 miles long. 
At times, the range is over 400 miles wide, and the average height is about 13,000 miles high. Now, the thing about these ruins is that it's actually in great shape. And so many people, they still put on their hiking gear, they strap up uh, a donkey with all their stuff on it, and they walk up the mountain to check out the ruins. The only thing is, although the ruins are in great shape, the path to it isn't. It's rocky, it's uneven, it's windy, and at times it's super narrow. And so the question that came to my mind is, if it's so dangerous and difficult that it, it would be hard to convince me, it would be hard to convince humans to go along this trail. How do you convince a donkey to go without dragging it, without fighting it, without creating emotion on the, on, on the narrow path? And the thing I read is that they actually blindfold the donkeys. And what this does is even though they're on a dangerous path, by blindfolding the donkeys, the donkeys never realize the danger around them. And it keeps them calm. And they're able to simply follow the person leading it. And the reason I share this is to find true gospel security. David shares one more thing in the last stanza in Psalm 62. And what he shares is basically to blindfold and not fix our eyes on man and the things of this world. But to look to God, to look to God to lead us in times of trouble and danger. And we know this because if you look at verse 9, whether it's low men who are like a temporary breath or a high men who lacks a sense of awareness and are delusional, the point is all men are unreliable. So verse 10 tells us not to trust in men because people will always fail us. They will always let us down. But if you look at the final two verses, David tells us not just to put on blinders like a donkey, right? Shielding our eyes from the earthly things of this world. But he tells us to put on blinders like a racehorse. That we can look straight ahead and focus on God. And if you look at verse 11, David tells us namely to focus on God's power. Because if we feel threatened or in trouble or in need of a savior, there's no one who's stronger, no one who's more powerful to handle, that can handle anyone or any situation or any virus. Look to God's power. But if you look at the very last verse, and follow me here, if you look at the very last verse, this is really the clincher. David ends by telling us not only to focus on God's power, but to look and focus on God's love. Because God's love is not like any other. Our passage tells us it's a steadfast love. And if you look at the original Hebrew, it's the word hesed, meaning it's this hardcore, this unbreakable, faithful love that will never fail. And so you know what's really amazing about our text? Although David would never live to see it, he would be right. Centuries before Psalm 62, God made a promise in Genesis to rescue us from the greatest virus in the world called sin. 
And even though it spread quickly like wildfire and things looked hopeless, centuries after Psalm 62, in God's perfect timing, he would send a cure. He would send a savior and his name was Jesus. Jesus who would take Psalm 62 and he would actually sing it himself, singing it from the cross to God, that there are enemies gathering around him and acting like bullies. He would sing that these guys are lying and manipulating things to bring him down and that his enemies are mocking him, beating him and spitting on him so much so he feels like a fence, like a, a wall that's about to collapse. And as Jesus sang Psalm 62, you know how God responded? The gospel tells us Jesus was forsaken and basically God turned his face away. And you would one you have to ask why? Why would God abandon Jesus when he never committed a sin, when he didn't never did anything wrong? And the answer is because of God's Hesed love, his steadfast, unbreakable, promise-keeping love to save his people. In other words, Jesus was abandoned in order that we would never be abandoned. But we can rest assured in God's promise, not a single hair on our head will perish, but we will have eternal and everlasting life. Friends, this is the good news for us this morning. And so if you're a Christian let me just share one more thing. If you read over the psalm again, it's not very long, only 12 verses. Read it over. There's one thing that's incredible to note. And that if you look at the psalm, even though David is facing some scary and troubled times, not once does he beg, not once does he ask God to change anything, to change this thing or that thing or change anything to his liking. But if you look all over the 12 verses, rather than panicking, David's heart is actually filled with praise and rejoicing that God is his rock, that God is his fortress, his salvation, and he will not be shaken. Grace Point, if you feel like David, if you feel threatened by people with all of this corona craze going around, Let's sing this psalm with David. Let's sing this psalm along with our greater David, Jesus, in order that we too would rejoice, knowing our hope is set on God's great Hesed love for us, and he will never fail us. If you're not a Christian, let me ask you, if not Jesus, then what are you setting your hopes on? Is it your college diploma? your job, money, maybe friends and family or your fiance. Or perhaps your hope is in doctors or the government to try to figure out this whole corona situation. But whatever it is, you and I know it will never provide an absolute undisturbed peace. Because Psalm 62 tells us at the very end, all earthly things, whether high or low, they will fail and they will let us down. And so if you're not a Christian, would you come to Jesus? Because what David is offering, what the gospel is offering is not a gimmick. 
that works just one time or sometimes. But by trusting in God alone, it allows us to always have hope, no matter the circumstances, no matter the foe, no matter what pandemic we may face. Because of Jesus, we always have hope.